Welcome into episode four of the Creative Percussion Podcast. My name is Justin Mason, and my guest with me today is Kenna Sosa. How are you? I am great. How are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing very well. So, um, with this being the Creative Percussion Podcast, I would be remiss if this was not my first question. What is the one product from Creative Percussion that never leaves your kit? Oh, gosh. Well, I battle between two favorite percussion products. You can see one behind me. I know it's not part of a kit, but it's uh, just so much fun. <laughs> the right. hexagon. So that comes with me a lot. And then I also have right here the Crescent Jingle. Mm. Also, tons of fun. Right. I have a few other products in my arsenal, but those are the ones that just the sound brings me joy. So I want those everywhere I go. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. That's that's how I am with my beater. I, I got the very last uh, Beehive beater, bass drum beater, and it never leaves, um, never leaves my drum set. Whether I'm playing a house kit somewhere or not, uh, it comes with me everywhere I go. So, <laughs> so um, what is, what was your biggest influence um, as far as drumming goes, what got you into drumming to begin with? Well, I, I started um, back in eighth grade when I joined band, so okay. band nerd. Hopefully I'm not the only one representing that <laughs> and, and the CP artist, but um, I joined a little late uh, and I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt rhythms. I've always noticed when I listen to music uh, the drums and the percussion and what drove the music and what inspired all of the rest that comes along with it. Right. So, you know, I started like a lot of us in middle school and I started a bit behind. I started sixth grade band in eighth grade, but I was driven. And so by junior year, I was actually first chair in the drum line, mm-hmm. which I was hard work. Right. <laughs> So I did marching band, you know, bass drum. I did snare most of the time. I I just kept pushing and pushing. And, you know, in all honesty, those were rough years in my life on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So playing music, like that's what kept me in school. That's what kept me going. That's what kept my head up because I had something that I always looked forward to, Mm -hmm. not just musically, but the people who were part of that too. And, you know, by the time I finished school, there was a hiatus and there was college and I didn't play for a little while and I missed it. I noticed my mood was down, my motivation was down, and I just, I really felt that there was something missing. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the power of music. You know, they say that there are songs that can get people out of depression. There are, you know, when you're going through something tough, there's these certain songs that just really touch you and get you out of a, out of a bad mood. So just what you said there, it, it speaks to the power of music and just being musicians. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I really like that. So um, what was your biggest failure as a drummer or a percussionist? And what did you learn from that experience? Oh, my biggest failure. Yeah, I, <laughs> I like to think it's, it's 
hard to fail because I think percussion is the most experimental of all the instruments really because it has no bounds and no limits. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I, you know, hit something wrong on my djembe, the sound itself might actually be cooler than what I intended to play. Right. <laughs> so I, I love that about it, that there's not as much of a feeling of failure as there is more experimenting. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, you know, with the different things that I've done in percussion, I had a very short stint in a cover band, which was a ton of fun. I learned to right. play a lot of songs that, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't have normally had the chance to play. Sometimes it was music that wasn't necessarily my music, you know, mm -hmm. and we lasted a couple months. And like most bands, there's internal conflict. And then we were gone and I'm still close to several of the people that I played with, but I really wish that that, for all of the effort to get that going, <laughs> that it had lasted longer than it did. So love you guys, but I have to say <laughs> that, like just the, the failure to hold it together and mm -hmm. keep the momentum that we started. Yeah, and that makes sense. It's, it's so hard, even especially nowadays, to keep a band together, mm -hmm. um, especially with who knows how many live shows are gonna be able to be played and all that stuff so i i completely get where you're coming from there what are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way i know there's drumio for a lot of people that a lot of people like or drum books what's the what's the biggest help for you ben oh the internet mm -hmm. <laughs> the internet i mean you can learn anything online um and anything, literally, I would say between the internet, just teaching yourself things through YouTube. And then also, you know, my bandmates, I I am in a taiko ensemble right now called Koisagi, mm -hmm. whose um, founder is also a CP artist, mm -hmm. uh, Sean Ivanez, by the way. And we learn a lot together just as we go. Most of the time we don't write our music down. We don't record it ahead of time and learn it through the recordings. We learn it live playing together and just coming together in that way and bouncing ideas off each other and sending each other links to different things we want to try and different things we want to do. I think really, um, especially considering all that's happened in the past year and a half, mm -hmm. the internet alone is no longer motivational. It no longer motivates me. I mean, I walk away from exercise classes online before I, <laughs> and then I'm in the kitchen and I'm wondering how I got there instead yeah. of in my class. <laughs> Um, so, you know, the people that are part of the music community, they, they introduce you to things that you never would have found on your own. So that's really where I like to go to. We're part of um, the Tycho Alliance now, mm -hmm. and we have sister groups now. This is something we started pretty recently. Mm -hmm. And so getting together online with sister groups and showing each other our videos and, you know, um, giving each other new ways of learning has been very, very helpful to our development as a group. So speak on how that got started. Like what was the, what was the motivation to start that ensemble or to start that group? Um, and who was it, were you behind it or was, did somebody invite you into that? How did that happen? Um, <laughs> that's a, it's a great story and it's kind of funny at the same time, but I, um, I live in, in the Dallas area now, but I moved here in 01. And that was about that time that I was just kind of feeling the silence of not playing music. And so I was volunteering um, for the Japan America Society. And there was someone recruiting for a taiko group. 
Mm -hmm. Um, This is not the same group I'm in now. (laughs) And I thought, well, sure, I I played percussion, I'll go. And so I showed up and I just fell in love with it. And immediately they ripped into me because I just had only Western style experience. Mm -hmm. And I had to unlearn a lot of that and relearn Eastern style, including the movements, the gestures and the choreography and the dynamics of what playing that style is like. And I was with them for at least 10 years. And ironically, that's where I met the core members of my current ensemble. We all previously paid, uh, played for this other group. Okay. But like many things, you get to the point where you your needs differ from theirs. Right. And I, when I got to that point, I decided that it was time for me to take a break. Mm-hmm. During that hiatus, um, Sean, who also played previously for that group, had reached out and said, well, you know, why don't you come play over here? I'm trying to start a new group. This is going to be all original music, completely written by us. Um, And so I said, well, okay." And for a while, it was the two of us, you know, and we played in front of restaurants. We played at marathons locally. And, you know, you can play with two people but there's holes in the sound and there are Mm -hmm. bigger things that we wanted to do. So we needed to recruit, but we wanted to recruit people with experience. And, you know, just fates come together, nothing intentional. Next thing you know, we ended up with Chris, our third member, who we also played with previously (laughs) in the group. And somehow, magically, Jay wandered back in and Jay also played with us previously. And so, it was like instant family, you know, we all knew each other already and we all knew each other's style and our strengths and our weaknesses together. Mm-hmm. And it just became this unit that is, like I said, it's family. We help each other out. We, you know, if somebody's car breaks down, I'll give you a ride. And yeah, that's just what it is. And we, we've learned such a tremendous amount dynamically and structurally and musically about the craft since then because we decided that we were going to set our bar as as, high as we could Mm -hmm. and to continue to set it high. And one of the things that we're trying to do uh, currently is expand what we play. You know, people think of Tycho and they're these huge barrel drums and just boom, boom, and that's it. Um, But we've got lots of different sizes of drums and different sounds. And we've got the fue, which is the wooden flute included, and bells. Uh, we use the cog bells from creative percussion in some of our music, mm-hmm. as well as the gongs. And um, so we're really trying to bring in a more diverse uh, quantity of, of instruments and sounds right. to fill in those little holes in what we're trying to achieve while we grow and still try to recruit a few more, see how big we can get it going. Yeah. Um, that's basically how we got started. The group is Goisagi. We've played together for about the four of us, about three to four years now. Um, Founded a couple years before that by Sean. So we've just slowly started to pick up. Unfortunately, COVID came and right when we were making huge progress, there went the huge festival we booked and there went this opportunity and that. So we've been trying to develop other things in the meantime. Mm -hmm. We recorded our videos, we started our YouTube channel, we're about to record an EP. So we've been trying to use the the downtime 
and the absence of, of as many live gigs as we're used to doing with other types of growth. Yeah, and that's that's where you have to go. I know with, with my band, uh, my current band, that's what we did. We had taken off April the April of 2019, and we're going to mm-hmm. record our sophomore album. Some things happened, and we didn't get to do it then. And then COVID hit, and we're all off the road. And so it's like, hey, let's just start recording. So that's I think that's what a lot of a lot of people did, a lot of bands did, and everything. It was a great uh, creative outlet for that, especially yeah. during that time. So what is one thing that you know now about percussion, about drumming, whatever it may be, that you wish you had known when you first started playing drums? Oh, that's a tough one. (laughs) Um, Goodness. I won't say I necessarily know it. I can tell you one of my weaknesses is Mm. the double bass on (laughs) kids. I don't know why my brain just does not allow that to function. so the things that I would say a, a way I will twist your question for you <laughs> is what I want to get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get better at double bass on the kit, of right. course. Um, and breaking loose on soloing a bit more. Soloing has always made me more nervous than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of the spotlight. I'm like, you know, I messed up another time when nobody, everybody's playing, nobody knows, but I messed up now and all eyes on me. So I want to completely drop the fear of soloing. And I want to get better at some of the percussion instruments that I never really dominated, you know, um, melodic percussion instruments, xylophone, marimba, things of that sort. I'm, I didn't really develop that. So I'm just trying to, become a more well-rounded percussionist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what I know now is that makes you a better percussionist when you're not limited to, Hey, I'm a really great snare drum player, but that's all I got for you. You know, (laughs) um, when you bring in that random weird instrument that nobody knows the name of and, and introduce somebody to something new, you know, that, that makes you a better musician. So I'm really trying, to grow right now. I took up um, Haitian drumming with one of my friends and I've been learning Haitian rhythms and uh, participating and being his house drummer in some of his ceremonies. That's been very interesting and exciting. And then I took up the cajon as well, which sometimes Mm -hmm. I play with the crescent jingle in one hand um, through the Dallas Flamenco Conservatory. Okay. Um, So I've just been trying to you know, make sure if there's an opportunity as a musician, I don't have to turn it down due to lack of skills. Right. So what is a common drumming myth that if somebody asked you, you would like to debunk? Oh, man. I didn't know if I wanted to go there, but the girls can't play percussion. <laughs> yeah. I, I know plenty that can. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We, we all do. But I think that's something that I've, I've always been asked, or mm-hmm. there's always the assumption that there's some alternate motive behind um, playing percussion as a woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it bothers me. I don't understand it. But I've, I've learned to care less, I guess, right. is the best way to put it. But um that that's been pretty much since the get go is whose drum are you carrying? <laughs> I'm carrying my drum. <laughs> right. 
didn't you see me just play it? I mean, <laughs> not too shabby, but you know, that's something that we have to confront on the regular. Even now, that's mm -hmm. an assumption that sometimes gets made when we perform is, oh, whose wife are you? Nobody's. I'm over there rocking the drum. Like, <laughs> what is this? So, you know, that's just something that I think anybody who really has that fire in them about percussion, mm -hmm. who cares? You can you can go play. You know, it's it's for everybody. So somebody comes and watches you play one of your shows and they come up to you and they say, hey, I want to learn how to play drums. What is the best advice that you could give someone that's starting from scratch, um, especially doing percussion? Mm -hmm. Ooh, do not underestimate the power of a metronome. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds extremely basic, but I mean, you can, you can have that joy and that passion and, and wail on something, but if you can't keep a beat, if you can't stay at least somewhat on time, you're not going to have a very good time as a percussionist. Right. Um, you know, especially in the experience in a band, you know, that's the biggest thing is if I'm not together with the rhythm player, with the bassist, that's an issue. If I'm speeding up and I'm slowing down and everybody's wondering, okay, well, do they adjust to me or am I supposed to adjust to them? The best thing you can do for yourself, because all of us think we are on time. Yeah. Put on that metronome and test yourself. And even after all of these years of experience, I surprise myself that I speed up sometimes when I mm -hmm. shouldn't. And, you know, you're just feeling it. But that'll that'll give you a nice reality check of where you need to be. And it'll also help you just kind of get the feel of something. Mm -hmm. You know, how fast 120 is, how fast 160 is. Um, what What should this music feel like? Yeah, I um, recently, I think it was Benny Greb who created it. I recently started practicing with uh, something called a gap click. And so it's a click that is programmed to play two bars and then shut off for the next two bars. And so it really gives you an idea of, okay, I'm, I'm behind a quarter note or mm -hmm. I'm behind an eighth note, you know, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. Um, and so it's been a really good resource for me. And uh, that advice is something that I wish that I had taken when I started playing. I've only been playing with a metronome for six years, and I've been playing drums for 16 years. Mm. So it's something that I wish that I had done myself. So I, I really appreciate that advice. Ah, thank you. <laughs> so speaking of advice, um, let's say you go back in time, and you go back to the moment that you first started playing drums. What is some advice that you would give your past self that you think would help you um, now or that you think that would help you then? Would have helped me then. I would say to be, ooh, that's a tough one. I'm trying to remember who I was when I started. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I think had I learned earlier on to embrace the power of percussion, that would have been better for me because one of the things it did for me, um, being at that age where I was extremely shy, um, very quiet, very not introverted, but just scared of everything and everybody. And, you know, for a timid person to approach a big drum and, you know, you're going to approach it timidly, you're going to tap it and, 
you're not gonna gonna let it have its full potential and let it really resound and let it speak for you. Right. And that's one thing I've learned now. I'm still kind of shy. I'm still, you know, scared and intimidated sometimes when there's a we play a festival and there's a huge crowd and then I think, ooh, okay, now I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> but then I remember it's not me they're looking at. It's not me they're hearing. They're hearing the drum. And so I'm going to let it sound out everything that is in my heart, which is big and powerful and sometimes loud and intimidating. And sometimes it's quiet and interesting and Mm -hmm. fascinating. And I'm going to let it speak for me. You know, I have a quiet voice, but I play loud. And I wish when I first started, I was less afraid of how loud it was Mm -hmm. um, because over time, it really gave me more courage as a performer and as a person, you know, to be able to get that out of myself, what I didn't think I had. I, I wish I had learned that sooner. I wish I wasn't still as intimidated by it um, and let it really be big and bad and bold back then. Yeah. So with this being the Creative Percussion Podcast, of course, I like to ask creative percussion questions. So. <laughs> Do you remember the first thing that you got from Creative Percussion? And on top of that, do you remember your first interaction with Kevin, uh, who is, for those who don't know, the owner of Creative Percussion? Okay, yes. The first thing I got was actually that Crescent jingle. Mm -hmm. Um, But I believe I got it at the same time as I got the shaker, the golf ball shakers, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't know what I did with them right now. (laughs) My, My bedroom has random percussion stuff all over the place. Um, so I got the Crescent Jingle and the golf ball shakers first. Um, after that, I got the hex stacks. Mm-hmm. And then the gong is the most recent thing. Uh, well, I, I don't think you're doing this on video, but also the merch. I'm wearing the CP hoodie right yeah. now. Um, but the gong would be the, the last one I got. So the Crescent Jingle I got first because I wanted to experiment. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see what it would add to the snare playing. And that's where I decided, you know, I don't like it only on the snare. I want to use it on the cajon, you know, I want the cajon to have a bit more bite to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just experiment with it and it's been a lot of fun. You know, it's, you can tie it to your leg and have a foot tambourine with it if you want. <laughs> um, so that's been the one that I, I experiment with the most. And it was also my first, but they've all been really fun and I just think creative percussion kind of embodies that that openness that mm-hmm. we should have as percussionists and and I love that it's all by hand it's even if it's the same product you know my gong is going to be different than somebody else's gong just slightly right. and it all adds something to your basic kit and your basic instruments you know like this is the the pizzazz that you add to your pizza so you're not eating plain cheese right um, my first interaction with Kevin, I would say, um, you know, I discovered creative percussion through Sean in my group. Mm-hmm. And when he first told us about it, you know, it really caught my attention. Oh, wow, this is awesome. You know, I'm so happy for you, so proud of you. And so I looked into it myself and I discovered all the products and, you know, just what a really interesting and unique brand of, of products and people that mm-hmm. they have. And, so I was looking at the site and I was looking at the artists and then I said, well, why can't I do that? Right. 
And so that's when I decided, well, let's see, let's see if I can do that. And it's kind of what I meant earlier about being bold and sure of yourself. That's still me. Sometimes I have to remind myself and this was me reminding myself that I should be able to say my own name loud and proud too. So I reached out to Kevin and, you know, I went through the process and Kevin and Cher were very supportive, very pleasant, very positive. And I just really feel that they fully embrace and support artists as different as we all are. You know, I love that there are all kinds of different people that are part of this group and, you know, that we really show how diverse percussion is. Yeah. And I, I can attest to them being super supportive. I know the how this how this podcast got started was I had asked Kevin to be a guest on another podcast that I do and we were talking and talking and it wound up not working out and he basically just came back to me and said what if we did a creative percussion podcast and just I mean just his excitement about it and his excitement about his products and everything like that um, you, you don't see that out of many creators you don't see that out of many business owners uh, and that's that's one thing that I love about him and Sherry both. So someone comes up to you on the street and says, hey, I see your shirt. What is creative percussion? And you let them know what creative percussion is. And they said, okay, what should I buy from creative percussion? What is one thing that you would suggest for them to get? Oh, that's a tough one because there is so much. I wish I was richer because there's so much. Oh, man. Um, what I've had a lot of fun with that I haven't bought yet myself, need to get on that, are the cog bells. Mm-hmm. Um, adding those, you know, you can have as many symbols as you want. I, I like the really kind of trashy, dirty sounding symbols. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's still going to have a similar sound as other symbols, but the cog bells really add something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite a cowbell, not quite a symbol. And, you know, it just, it mixes it up quite a bit. And it's something I want to use more. Yeah. Um, we do use them in our group. But I need to get my... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kevin, <laughs> working on it. So um, talk about what you have coming up, any shows that you have coming up, any um, releases that you have coming up, anything like that? Yes. Um, Well, you know, you already know with the given situation that slowed things down a bit. Um, Now, as a group, Goisagi, we will be performing at Deep Ellum Arts Festival here in Dallas, which is a huge event that we were supposed to play, but it kept getting pushed back from COVID Uh in September. So we've got that coming up. we shall see if we will be playing South by Southwest or not. I don't know yet, so I'm not saying yes. <laughs> but no. I would love to say at some point we are. Um, we are going to be recording that EP coming up pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of months that is ready to go. Um, I also, on my own, because I fully support everybody having side projects and um experiments and and their own projects on the side because none of us are a one note person you know (laughs) um so on my own i collaborated with uh my friend lottie who's part of famous exchange and iggy meji and um 808 saints and we recorded 
our own instrumental song uh, called Exhale. Mm -hmm. uh, that is officially to be released in August, I believe. Uh, however, I would like to throw out that I also am uh, kind of a newbie, but hey, I'm, I'm getting there as a filmmaker. Okay. So this song that we just recorded is actually used pretty much as the soundtrack for the short film that I did in April. Mm -hmm. uh, the short film is called Pineapple, and it is debuting at the Rap Focus Competition Sunday. Oh, wow. Along with the sound. So you'll hear some of what we recorded yeah. in that background. So that is really exciting. And I hope to, um, now that, you know, I feel more confident about incorporating my own music for the next film that I do, I hope to be able to create the score myself. So yeah. uh, working on a lot of very different <laughs> tangents. Um, but, you know, there's time and a place for everything, and you plant seeds and see where they grow, and mm -hmm. you nourish them, and, and that's about where I'm at. So, Goisagi, we are recording, we are learning new music, and we are ready to make some really loud noise very, very soon. Um, <laughs> I hope to be back with the Flamenco group again soon once live shows are, are back at it. Mm -hmm. um, but recording is kind of where we're headed now that we finished our videos and, uh, hopefully that, that single's dropping in August and we'll do really well. And we'll be definitely be looking out for that. Yay. <laughs> so, um, I appreciate you coming on to the creative percussion podcast. So to get us out of the creative percussion podcast, could you shout out your social media and just let everybody know where to find you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta remember that stuff because oh. <laughs> um, yeah I, I have like my author social media my filmmaker mm -hmm. social media <laughs> we we are on Facebook as Goisagi the group okay. um, I think it's goisagi.daiko so g-o-i-s-a-g-i dot d-a-i-k-o I know that's a mouthful mm -hmm. um, you can find us there on Facebook it's the same handle on um, Twitter no, not Twitter, we're Instagram and then SoundCloud right now. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where you will find the most from us. We also started that YouTube channel. Um, so if you put in Goisagi, G-O-I-S-A-G-I, -I, then you will find our YouTube channel there where we've released three videos recorded in the beautiful Chandor Gardens that we're very proud of. Also, um, interesting note, they were filmed by uh, William Tom Ridenauer who, from what I understand, is a clarinet legend and mm -hmm. builds his own clarinet. So he filmed for us, which is really exciting and a fun yeah. little fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Again, thank you so much for being a part of the Creative Percussion Podcast, and uh, I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you so much, Justin. I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to hearing your music soon as well. Absolutely. Thank you.